Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit up the socials WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail at HTB underscore Josh and at West Bryant underscore 72 on those same platforms. You can check out all the goodies that we bring for you guys. Question of the day. We put up there every day for you guys to respond. I love uh, getting responses from you guys. But for now, let's go to the campus. Kona. All right. More realignment news hit over the weekend. In case you don't know, after the Big Ten added Oregon and Washington, the Big 12 already added Colorado or the Colorado Primes, whichever you want to call them. But they also accepted applications (laughs) from Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. The Pac-12 is now down to four teams with only Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State remaining. Only for the second time in the history of college football have we witnessed the downfall of a power conference. This happened to the Southwest Conference in the mid-1990s. So a lot of schools in the Pac-12 facing a crazy future. Nick Saban dropped his thoughts off about what he thinks about what's been going on, and it's Nick Saban, as you would expect. Look, I did not hear what anybody's comments have been about this. Um, look, there's a lot of traditions that we've had for a long time in college football, and uh, I think we're in a time of evolution for whatever reasons. Um, and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside, I think. And it's sad. Um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for college football, I guess you have to define what is good, bad, what is good and bad for college football. So um, I think one thing I would just hope that we would keep in mind in all the choices and decisions we make relative to what we do in college athletics is the student-athlete. Um, they're here to get an education. We want to try to help them develop careers on and off the field. Uh, and hopefully some of the choices and decisions that we make for college athletics in the future will impact them in a positive way. And I hope that we can keep that as a priority in terms of uh, whatever we decide to do. All right, so when you look at this now, man, I feel like this is where NIL's impact is hitting the hardest because I felt like back in the day, If you needed money from your boosters and you made a lot of money as a program, you could afford to get the facilities and that in a lot of ways would attract recruits on top of your winning pedigree. But now these schools, they need money. They need to be able to pay these recruits. They got to be able to keep up with the Joneses. And so I think this is where uh, NIL's impact has been felt the most with this realignment. Uh, They need that TV money on top of money from uh, said boosters, etc., to be able to pay these recruits. That's not the only reason, but I feel like that's a big part of all of this. 
But Walker, what do you think about this? Does this change your interest in college football after seeing history and traditions being left behind for more money in these new super conferences? Well, I mean, clearly we care about the ACC and then a lot of us also care about the SEC in this part of the country. We are quite literally as far away as you can get from the Pac-12 being here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then you talk about the triad area. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at Pac-12 games all that much unless you are a college football junkie. What you care about, like so many people that take in and consume college sports, it is the regional uh, regional bias that you have. It is that regional fandom, and that's what's going to be unfortunate. Because, yeah, the Pac-12, not the strongest football conference in the world. You did have a couple of schools like Washington that I think made a college football playoff one year within the last, what, like six seasons, something like that. It had been a while, but they did make it. Even still, I don't know if you think of Washington as this monster college football powerhouse, but they are a pretty good program. Yes. Oregon, you do view them as a powerhouse. You have seen them get to the championship game the last couple of times, um, at least a couple of times since 2011. They didn't win it, but at least they've gotten there a couple of times. USC, while they're not the storied Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart days anymore, you do have someone that did take home a Heisman Trophy this past season. Lincoln Riley goes over there to salvage what is somewhat of their tradition. I mean, they do have a tradition over there at USC. My point is, there just wasn't enough outside of a couple of schools, I guess, to continue the intrigue as far as people taking in viewership of Pac-12 schools. I don't like it because I don't want this to infiltrate other conferences, but it already is happening, and I'm just hoping that the ACC holds on because Florida State has, they've been barking a bunch. I mean, they've been talking very loudly, very publicly how bad they want out of this conference if they do not change dramatically the financial distribution part of the grant of rights that they have, right? But they signed it in 2016. I don't expect them to leave anytime soon. We do know that they want out. I just hope that the ACC is able to stick together. Does seem like a lot of athletic directors want to stick together, but the Pac-12, it gets disbanded, and I just don't want it to come over to the East. (laughs) I just want it to stay over there, and hopefully it doesn't happen anymore, but of course, we've seen conference realignment um, happen quite a bit over the last, you know, decade now. It's been Mm -hmm. crazy. No doubt about it. I get selfish about this. I don't want the ACC to be touched, and I wouldn't mind if they expanded. But at the same time, as a fan with these super conferences, yeah, it thinks that some of the traditions and things of that nature are going to the wayside. But, man, are we going to get some great regular season college football games that are going to come out of this. When you talk about some of those big uh, 10 matchups and some of those SEC matchups that we're going to get, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to get games that we would normally only see in bowl games or especially marked uh, regular season neutral site games, a lot of them to start the year. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do feel like that for a lot of the people, the traditionalist, this has to not be uh, favorable favorable to them because they're going to miss some of the traditions, the rivalries that have been uh, broken up. So, I just, like I said, as a fan, I do like it a little bit. I hate the fact that it could probably get condensed down to just two conferences that people really care about. But that's just where we are at now, and we have to just decide as fans what it is that we want to do. Well, and I don't want that to happen either. But as we talk about the tradition, I'm not saying the Pac-12 doesn't have any. I'm saying that there's a lot more tradition the closer east that you get. You do have the Battle of the Jeweled Shillelagh between Mm -hmm. USC and Notre Dame. I understand that you have that one. I've always loved that title and that rivalry. And you have a couple. But what are some of the – I mean, Fiddy, you can speak to this too. I heard you talking about it from 10 to 12. What are some of the traditions, the the most important – 
important ones that we're missing out on now that the Pac-12 has disbanded, and now you're really you're talking about a Pac-4. Uh, the death of the Rose Bowl is is and like it was already changing with the Rose Bowl being in the college ball playoff. That's the most historic bowl game you have in college athletics. And so you're talking about a Pac-12 team versus a Big Ten team. Yeah. But you're still going to get the same schools. And so what you're in some of these, right? Like if Oregon was among the best in that conference, if USC was among the best in that conference, then you're still getting the same schools participating. You're just not getting a Pac-12 versus a Big Ten. So this is a genuine question. How much does it change? that you're still getting the same schools, right? Like the, the the schools that were always competing for a Rose Bowl appearance anyway, they're still going to be competing for a Rose Bowl appearance. They're just not going to be doing it in the Pac-12 anymore. Yeah, they're conference members. It's just going to be a conference game at the most historic venue in the sport. And that changes a lot to you because to me, I don't know if it changes a ton. I just am worried about the Big 12 or not the Big 12. I'm worried about the ACC and some of these other other rivalries getting disbanded if you have rivalries here on the eastern part of the country that move on to different conferences that's what i'm gonna hate like that's that's what i don't want to see happen i don't know if there's been huge college football tradition so changed from the pac-12 that it's affecting me over here in north carolina yeah but i I understand i don't want to infiltrate that either like i don't want this to be a slippery slope yeah i just think that at the end of the day like i said some of the traditions and rivalries it's all good i'm not too caught up in those and when you just look at the history of college football uh, you know, these things have happened uh, over time. For, before we get out of here, uh, Wake Forest suffered a significant injury. Wide receiver Donovan Green is out three to five months following a knee injury. This is a guy I voted to be uh, all ACC this season. He's Wake all-time leading uh, receiver when you talk about yards per catch, 18.6. He missed all of 2021 as well. So, uh, this is a guy, hopefully, he can have a speedy recovery, but you hate to see it awake because this guy looked to have the breakout season that many people uh, thought that he would in Winston. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Elam. Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. We got the behind the scenes. If you guys want to see what Young Drum looks like, you can check out uh, some of our behind the scenes videos that we will be dropping. And one is already up on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. Also, HTB underscore Josh at Walker Mail and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram as well. And now let's get to the campus. Kona. All right. 
More realignment talk, folks. You're getting tired of it. We are as well, but it's happening, and we got to talk about it. The ACC talking about potentially adding Cal and Stanford, elite academic schools from the Pac-4 right now because there are only four schools remaining. And so an interesting aspect of this is everybody always thinks about football, and in basketball it's kind of secondary. But I did a little digging this morning, and found out a few reasons why the ACC may be interested in Cal and Stanford. Not only are they elite academic schools, but they are titans in Olympic sports and also based in the Bay Area. So all those things, in theory, should matter to the ACC, apparently more than they matter to the Big Ten. And so the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies, of course, are more marketable football brands. But Cal and Stanford are middling football programs right now. The fan bases are in a little bit of disarray. But when you just talk about academic reputations of these schools and also the Olympic sports and the value that that brings to them as well, the ACC recognizing that recognizes that, and that may be uh, a couple of the reasons that they want to add these schools. Because football, you look at it on the surface, and you're just like, eh, okay, you know, th- this doesn't really move the needle as much. Stanford hasn't been good in a while, but they've had a lot of seasons where they've been uh, a really good program. But Walker, what are your thoughts on this? Does it make sense? Well, I, to me, I, I don't think that the ACC is just going to add programs just for the sake of adding programs because right now, if you have a financial distribution plan that Florida State very vocally does not like, and Clemson might not, even though they're not being very vocal about it, to add two more schools to then split the pie with, even if they're not the most watched programs in all of college football either, then I don't know how much sense that makes. So the potential additions of both Cal and Stanford, they don't project to be big-time financial game-changers. And while the addition of the academic prestige you talk about, that might be something beneficial to the ACC, really it comes down to all of the money, as everybody will discuss when we all talk about college conference realignment. And if you're not bringing in nearly as much money with these football programs, then it's going to be harder for me to see them justifying it to all the other schools. It's probably going to be hit or miss with some of these athletic directors and the decision makers with schools already within the conference. But for a team like Florida State, where they want more of the pie right now, and then you have to split a lesser portion with Stanford and Cal. It might be okay in the interim, but of course they're going to want more as you get further into their tenure within the ACC. So then what do you do at that time? Can they get to be a good college football program within the next two, three, five years, whatever? Yeah, it's dicey. Uh, it, it, it might look like on the surface that the ACC is getting stronger if they take in a couple of schools, but they want to hold on to Florida State. They do. And I don't know if Florida State wants to stick around. And I know that they want to leave right now. I, I just I hope that they don't add these schools just for the sake of adding them, even if below the surface it wouldn't necessarily mean that this conference gets any stronger. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so, Walker, we talked about the series yesterday, the top five uh, ACC returning quarterbacks. Today we released the running backs. Would you like to uh, hear yeah, that? Yeah, let's, let's set it up. No, top five, Wes loves himself some rank radio he has been doing this with the acc digital network we will go to the fifth best returning running back
back in the conference. Go ahead, Fiddy. Hit us with some imaging. Number five. Number five from the Duke Blue Devils, Jordan Waters. He was a preseason All-ACC third team selection from Pro Football Focus. Last year, the numbers don't bowl you over as far as per game averages, but he did have eight rushing touchdowns, so that put him tied for seventh in the ACC. What's Number four. Number four out of the University of Miami, Henry Paris Jr. He had an 84.9 run grade. That was fifth out of all ACC backs, according to Pro Football Focus. And then statistically last year, he was top 10 in the ACC in rushing yards per game. Had six total touchdowns. So this is a guy that's definitely en route to uh, perhaps having a breakout season in Coral Gables. Do we know if he has any relation to Roscoe Parrish, who also played at Miami? I do not know that. That's something our research team may be young. Drum, we got on one. That. We finally yeah. hired our first guy. <laughs> get to work, kid. Check right. out Henry <laughs> Parrish's Miami bio and see if he is indeed kin to... Roscoe. Pierce. All right. So while Drum is taking over our research team, Fiddy, why don't you hit us with the next uh, imaging sound effect that I can't speak very well of? Number three. Number three, Jawar Jordan from Louisville. This guy had one of the best missed tackle per carry rates in the ACC. Third, he ranked in that. And then when you look at statistically what he did last season, fifth in the ACC in rushing yards per game. Also averaged 5.7 yards per carry. So he was definitely a big play waiting to happen. Number two. All right, now we start to get into the thick of things. The big dogs, all right? You're talking about Trey Benson out of Florida State. This guy. Be one. Yeah, he was a, he set a PFF record for missed tackles per carry. Almost one per carry this guy averaged. He is a big time running back for the nose. And then statistically last season, he was fourth in the ACC in rushing yards per game. Averaged six and a half yards a carry. That was top 15 in all of FBS. And he had nine rushing touchdowns to boot. Who's the number one? Number one. Come on, baby. Queen City. I'm going to give you the credit, even though you went to Weddington. Will Shipley. All right. He averaged 3.4 yards after contact uh, last season, according to PFF. That was one of the best marks in the land. And this guy was big time for the Tigers last year. He was third in the ACC in rushing yards per game. Averaged 5.6 yards per carry and had 15 rushing scores. So Will Shipley, definitely a guy that could be a dark horse Heisman candidate this season in my McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Opinion. the West
Preston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line, 704-570-9610. Also, hit that follow button on social media, the Weston Walker Show page on Twitter. Almost to 1,000 followers. So keep it coming, folks. We love it. But you can also catch our content, behind-the-scenes stuff, all kinds of stuff on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. And then at Walker Mail, at Weston Walker. At HTB underscore Josh and at West Bryan underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get to it. Time for the campus. Kona. All right. More realignment talk, folks. And this time, the ACC might be taking their show down to Texas because the rumors are flying that SMU might be the latest team being considered by the ACC at a meeting of league presidents, executives explored the possibility of adding all three universities or inviting only the Pac-12's two members. So they're continuing to examine the expansion. And for more than a year now, SMU has held various degrees of dialogue with several leagues in its pursuit to join a power league, including the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC. They are a small private school, but SMU resides in one of America's most populous metro areas. That would be Dallas and the heart of the talent-rich football state of Texas. And so the university would arrive at a reduced rate, employing a rich donor base and a healthy desire to advance to the Power 4 level. Man, that's crazy now. They're saying Power 4. But the university is open to foregoing conference distribution pay for at least their first five years in the ACC. SMU officials had similar conversations with the Pac-12. Well, that and that's that's the biggest part. Yeah. What you just said is the biggest part, that mm-hmm. the university would re- arrive at a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. And so now if you're not going to be looking to get that pay for five years, that actually allows SMU in the door a little more so instead of the ACC just looking to expand for expansion's mm-hmm. sake. Now you actually have some real merit here for SMU to possibly be, get intrigue from ACC decision makers. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so to offset the travel costs of acquiring Stanford, Cal, and or SMU, current ACC members would need additional revenue from the network or Stanford and Cal would have to agree to enter the league for a partial share, such as a 60 to 70% rate. So the conversations are ongoing, but now they are talking about SMU coming into the league. And I'm not going to lie, I would be for it. Well, to go to Texas, you're talking Dallas, the money from that fan base. I don't know if you ever saw the 30 for 30 pony excess, but Mm -hmm. that is a fan base that wants to win and they will do it at all costs. That's why they got the death penalty way back in the day. But I think that would be pretty cool uh, for SMU to be able to get into the league. What say you about uh, the league getting into that Texas market? Well, I mean, even Hunter Bailey came on. We were talking about the Charlotte 49ers looking at their schedule for team week. And SMU looks to be pretty damn good this year. And so this is not the pony excess days, but this is still a good college football program that looks to be working some to some degree with the ACC financials and being able to take a loss at first or not a loss, but just not maximizing as much as possible right off of the bat in order to get their foot into the door. And so the real question is, does the ACC find real value in expanding, looking stronger by adding more teams, or do they want to save money and keep this money that they have right now and distribute it to the teams that they currently have and not looking to feed other mouths? What do you find more valuable? To me, it seems more like the latter, 
but they're still doing their due diligence. Okay, if we can we make money off of a Stanford, off of a California, off of an SMU, whatever, and is it going to be worth it? It's all about is it worth it right now? That's the question. Yeah, they've gone from the WAC to Conference USA to the American, and they have had seven or more wins since 2019. So it will be a quality team coming into the league. Mac Brown, we talked about it yesterday. Tez Walker's eligibility unfairly in the eyes of many rejected by the NCAA. Mac Brown sounded off on it. Here's what he had to say. Tez Walker was, uh, we're trying to secure his immediate uh, eligibility. Um, he's a two-time transfer. We submitted a waiver and the waiver was denied. And um, uh, we filed an appeal. We're waiting to hear back. Under the rules, when, Des, uh, when Tez transferred, um, he was enrolled, but he met the criteria for a, a transfer to be um, automatically eligible. He enrolled in classes in January 9th. And then the um, uh, NCAA changed the rule January 11th. Um, the NCAA indicated approval of his waiver uh, at that time, uh, but that was before the change of, of the waiver directive. Um, Tez has only played football at one school and should be considered a first-time transfer. His reasons for transferring, like I said, it's closer to home, be closer to his grandmother, who is dealing with, with bad health issues. We feel very, very good moving forward that the NCAA will look at this and understand this isn't a normal case of a double transfer, and, um, and, and they will go ahead and accept the appeal and let him be able to play when we open up for the season. And for those who don't know, this is a hometown kid out of West Charlotte High School, man, and you hate to see it. They weren't able to play in 2020 at North Carolina Central where he originally went, so he should be considered just a one-time transfer. And then the kids end up the most hurt in this. Let's hear Lonnie Galloway talk about how Tez Walker took the news. He probably wouldn't want me to say this, but we're at practice, and I'm like, because Tez is normally a upbeat guy, you know, quiet, but I knew something was wrong. So I was like, what's wrong? You know, he leaned his head on my shoulder and started crying. And I'm like, what's going on? Because I, I hope I get to play football. I did everything that I was supposed to do. You know, and, and that's, you know, part of the struggle that he's dealing with and, you know, the mental part of it for him. You know, I thought I was, all the procedures was, was going the way that I, I handled my business the right way. And now is whether or not he's going to be eligible. So you can imagine what that does to a 21, 22-year-old kid, you know, thinking that you've done right and not to know whether or not he's going to get to play this year. So we're a month out now from the college football start of the season, and this is the time that they decide to say, nah, you're not going to be able to play. I'm glad that Mac Brown feels good enough about the appeal to get him reinstated, but the fact that you have to go along in this process anyway, it's unfortunate. And then to hear some of those emotions coming from Tez Walker. I mean, like, is the NCAA going to take the context into consideration and still decide, no, you can't play? And if they do, then it goes Shame to show the now. ruthlessness that the NCAA just doesn't care and they can't swing it any other way. They don't care. If they still say Tez Walker is ineligible to play this season. I know, you, did you have a write-up on this on Heel Tough blog? Fiddy, what were some of the opinions that you have after those comments? I mean, it's just it's just another example of why college, like why the NCAA needs to go under. Because they can't seem to make the right decisions. Like, this isn't a kid that's transferring left and right because 
He's eighth on the depth chart. Like, he's coming back home because his grandmother's got a sickness that's probably going to take her life. And it, it's this is where I get – it just blows my mind. Dude, JT Daniels has transferred to every freaking time zone in the country and hasn't been punished. This, I mean, this guy, then you got the kid at Florida State. They're moving to be back home with the, they got family members who are, who are dying. And the NCAA is saying, yep, yeah, you know what? We're not going to let you to play. Get the hell out of here. Well, this is the other thing. Yeah, you're right. It, JT Daniels is the extreme example. But, Wes, we're talking about two schools. We're talking about Kent State that he played for two years. And we're talking about North Carolina that he's trying to play Division One college football right now. That's it. As far as the stats that he accumulated for football, for football schools, that's it. So the fact that the NCAA is saying that he can't play right now, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolute trash. Let's just call it what it is. But hopefully he is able to get to play. This was a guy that was voted on by media members as an all-ACC receiver coming into this season. And I'll say first team, even though it's only one team uh, that the media votes on at ACC kickoff. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line 704-570-9610. Hit up those social medias, the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail at HTB underscore Josh at West Bryant underscore 72 and at Weston Walker, the show page. We're getting closer to a thousand. So keep hitting that follow button on the Weston Walker Show page on Twitter. And for now, it's time for the campus. Kona. Listen, we talked about the Tez Walker situation, and now the governor has gotten involved. When you're talking about Governor Roy Cooper, who's also a North Carolina graduate, surprise, surprise, he wrote a letter to NCAA President Charlie Baker on Walker's behalf and said, this is the first time I've taken such an action, but this is an unusual and compelling case amidst the backdrop of all the major changes happening in the NCAA. Baker was the Republican governor of Massachusetts previously, and Cooper, a Democrat, re- references his relationship with Baker 
in said letter he outlined walker's situation we already talked about that yesterday and he said i realize this is one of hundreds of decisions you need to make but nothing could be more important to tez than this opportunity to get one of the finest university educations in the country i almost want to barf at unc and to compete in front of his family in carolina blue so what do we think of the old governor sticking his neck out for tez walker my question is are you going to complete the hate trifecta where we yeah. go with aaron no Rogers? i love roy cooper though i do i'm just well i'm just saying we had that because it seemed after you had to bring back the barf bag like honestly yeah. i'm thinking about Bleh. passing this trash can over to you because you've mentioned a barf bag yeah, twice man. now are you not with this because i i love it like i'm glad that tez walker is getting some fight and some people on his side from actually people with power that could make something happen yeah. here at least are attempting to yeah i do like it i just feel like it's a little much the governor getting involved but the fact that he's a unc grad and he wants to see his old alma mater successful so that's the only part about it uh that's funny to me i wonder would he do this if it was for another local team perhaps that had a kid in a similar situation so just the ties <laughs> uh, a little Hell bit no. of school nepotism here if you will Fiddy, what did you think about this go ahead Fiddy. go ahead um, I mean, I'm not going to disagree or I'm not going to complain about it. Do I think that's what he should be doing? I think he has better things to do with his with his time and his responsibilities as our governor. But he's not the only one that's done it. You've seen other governors in the past kind of use their power to get college athletes. And, like, here's the thing. Like, Tez Walker is being – he's being handcuffed by the NCAA. Like, he made a decision before the NCAA passed this two-time transfer rule. So – that's where I think it makes sense. If this would have been a decision where Tez Walker kind of, quote-unquote, did it to himself, then yeah, it'd probably be a worse look for for the Gov. Well, I, yeah, yes, he was abiding by rules that were in place, and then new rules came into place, and now Tez Walker is being punished despite playing by a different set of rules that the NCAA had instituted at the time he made his decisions. With Governor Roy Cooper deciding to write a letter to the NCAA, I hope that there are there's enough time in the day to where he can write that letter and still worry about the other things you think he should be worried about, Fiddy. To me, like I don't really mind that he set aside some time to write a letter. I still think he can get to some of those other responsibilities. But ultimately, I like the defense of a kid who wants to come over and play college football at North Carolina, allowing his ailing grandmother to see him play and be closer to her, while the NCAA doesn't necessarily have a leg to stand on, in my opinion. They changed the rules here. And yeah. so, yes, I have no problem with this. In fact, I like it, and I hope the NCAA will allow Tez Walker to play. It seems yeah, like it seems like I haven't seen anybody on the NCAA side in this. Have you? I, I no, I can't really go towards anybody and say there's someone. They said that's, the FSU kid. It was kind of uh, murky, but they said the Tez Walker is pretty cut and dry. He should be playing. Cut and dry. Yeah. Like I haven't seen anybody defend the NCAA in their decision to not allow Tez Walker onto the football field. So I don't know why you would have a problem with any kind of letter written to the NCAA or Tez Walker actually playing football for Carolina next season. All right, and one of my other favorite topics. I love to talk about NIL. Who's getting the bag? How much is the bag? And Dave. Lawson in a conversation with Andy Staples of On3, he said that up to eight Demon Deacons were offered six figures to leave Winston-Salem and play for another program. He said that players were offered between $150,000 and $500,000 by other schools and all of the said players chose to stay. So what do you think about the uh, 
the Demon Deacons and, and the amount of money that's going out. And I mean, these are Wake Forest players, and Wake is a really good program. Those are some hefty offers, and we know Rondell Bothroyd did leave, as well as Sam Hartman. And then Mitch Griffiths talked about on a serious XM ACC radio, he said that he did not hear about any other schools uh, approaching him. Uh, and then he said that he didn't talk to anybody, had no desire to go anywhere else, and that he was going to finish his career as a Demon Deacon. I started my career as a Demon Deacon, no other place he'd rather be. Now, if he comes out and has a type of season I think he's capable of, that's going to be an interesting conversation if he gets offered that type of money. So what do you think about those figures? And also Mitch Griffiths saying that uh, it doesn't matter what you throw in front of him, he's staying at Winston-Salem. Um, I, I guess it goes to show how successful Wake Forest has been in since Dave Clawson took over, the fact that they have that kind of money to work with right now. Because if they weren't successful and they had, I mean, honestly, if it didn't work out with Dave Clawson after, let's say he has a third losing season and Wake Forest just doesn't have the time and patience to work with it, in that world, you could be on your third different head coach by the time you started with them if it didn't work out but it did he keeps getting to bowl games he keeps winning bowl games and now the money is coming in because wake forest is a very much so respected college football program within the acc and beyond so the money's going up from there it goes to show you just how successful they've been with mitch griffiths i wonder people are going to compare griffiths to sam hartman but i had a source tell me publicly that Sam Hartman maybe didn't get along with his teammates as much. Yes. That source might be in this room. I don't know. But <laughs> if that's the case, if Mitch Griffiths is someone that everybody does genuinely enjoy, if Mitch Griffiths does get along with his teammates and you are playing for, I don't know, ACC championship representation, is that too far-fetched to see? Like maybe after this year's successful, next year they could get really going on that? I don't know. Yeah, I could see Mitch Griffiths sticking it out with Wake Forest. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit up the socials. We got the question of the day coming for you. We got all the behind the scenes access on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail, at Wesson Walker, at HTB underscore Josh, and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus. All right, we talked about it at the top of the show. The anticipation for college football this season and just how excited everyone is. Even amongst all of the realignment talk, ACC still trying to figure out what they are going to do. Let's hear from Josh Pate on the late kick with Josh Pate. And he talked about 
college football, and he said, give me 2007 college football over 2027 college football. Would you rather take college football as it was in 2007, or would you rather take college football the way you think it will be in 2027? I mean, it's a slam dunk for me. I'd, you'd give me the BCS eight days out of the week. We still had regionality. Uh, you had never heard the phrase bowl opt-out before. You had never heard the phrase meaningless November game. You did not have a college football playoff. I'm not just romanticizing the past. I remember the flaws. I remember what I liked and didn't like at the time. I'm still in love with 07 over over what 2027 is going to look like. That's not to say, you know, the sport is is doomed and falling off a cliff. But, man, if you're talking about preferability, go back to 07. Take me back to 07 or 08 or 09. Man, that is an interesting take. One I have kind of mixed emotions about, uh, especially when he brings up the BCS era and you had two teams that were picked by a computer for the national championship as opposed to the playoff era that we're in now that is ever expanding. There was no NIL. There was no uh, transfer porter. You had to sit out pretty much no matter what. And so it was quite a different time in college football back then. But now I do kind of like NIL. And then with the realignment as a fan, I feel like this. As long as I'm gainfully employed by the sport, I'm not really worried too much about what's going to happen because I think that the games and the matchups that we're going to get in these super-duper-duper-duper conferences are going to be pretty fun. I know there are definitely some downsides to this, but Walker, what say you on what Josh Pate had to say and which one would you choose? I guess if Josh Pate wants 2007 college football over 2027, then he wants it frozen in time. Because what happens is, BCS or not, dudes are still going to sit out after that became a thing in order to get ready for the NFL draft. The BCS had no implication on whether you're going to sit out or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking about only four teams still getting to the playoff. So if you only have four teams, you still have a lot of other guys. I mean, not in BCS days. What I'm saying is right now, right now, you have only four teams that are getting to the playoff. And so if that's the case then dudes are still going to sit out of all these bowl games. In fact, you might even have more guys sit out in 2007. So if you go to 2027 and then you expand the field, okay, maybe you have more, you know, you'll have more guys play because they're going to be playing for a championship. And if we were all about giving the little guy a shot, then playoff expansion does that more than the BCS does. And the other thing is realignment. It's going to happen whether the BCS is in play or not either, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all about the money. I, I think when we're talking about the popularity of the sport growing, BCS wouldn't change the popul- uh, popularity. So when he talks about it being regional, I totally agree that college sports altogether, it's all about the region. It is a regional sport. But do you think that the regional part of this is saved because of BCS? No. So if he's saying that the BCS would have changed all this, then I completely disagree. But if he's saying he wishes everything was the exact same and we didn't have the movement that you've had on the popularity of the sport, then okay, that's fine. But it it does us no good, right? 2027, it's coming whether you like it or not. Yeah, I'm going to go with 2027 college football as well. And so also we're talking about the ACC. Well, that remained frozen in time as far as the Clemson Tigers being on top of the leagues. PFF came out with their college football power rankings. And so I found it interesting. The Clemson Tigers, obviously, an 83% chance to make a bowl. 
12% chance to win the ACC, 9% chance of making the CFP, and a 2% chance of winning the CFP. And we gone down to the Florida State Seminoles, who were 16th in their power rankings, but they had a 93% chance to make a bowl, but a 20% chance of winning the ACC, 16% chance of making the CFP, and a 4% chance of winning the CFP. But do you feel like that a power shift is coming? Because according to Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, he talked about how he thinks that uh, Clemson is the most or one of the most overrated teams coming into this college football season. He pointed to the rise of Florida State. He pointed to Dabo Sweeney perhaps being a little bit out of touch Dabo. with today's recruits as among the reasons that he thinks that Clemson could finish around 9-3 and three and somewhere closer to 15, as he put it. So what do you think about all of this? What do I... You're asking what do you think that there's going to be a shift in power? And do you think that this is the beginning of the Clemson Tigers not being the uber dominant team that they've been in the league? over the last eight, nine seasons. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's going to be a shift in power within the ACC. I mean, this is the thing. It's not like Clemson was totally shocking us last year, and yet they still win the ACC championship, and they dominate North Carolina, who, yes, had been faltering at the end, but this is not a team that it even was phenomenal last year. They didn't get great quarterback play, and yet they still won, even with you talking about them not being a team that had a ton of wide receivers all over the place that were going to the NFL in the first round like previous years they didn't have a defensive line like they had had in previous years and yet they still win the ACC championship I could maybe see his point about Clemson being overrated in the grand scheme of things that they won't get to the college football playoff because they'll lose one game two games that would be enough to keep them out but if we're talking about Clemson within the ACC they still are going to be the team that I would most like to bet my money on compared to any other college football program in the conference he said nine and three would be a death blow for the Tigers for their program. Like he said, it would be tremendous. I don't think so either. Uh, I think Clemson's in an interesting spot because I don't know that they have their quarterback and I don't know the skill talent is going to be as dominant as it's been. So I do think they're in an interesting spot because when you look at the recruiting rankings, Florida State is on the rise. This is going to be a huge season and going towards the perception of who's on top of the league. If FSU does come out and is as people think they will be and come out and dominate, then I think there is going to be the perception around the league, especially if Clemson does not win the ACC championship, if they don't even get to Charlotte especially, but if they don't win the ACC championship this year and Florida State does, I think you are going to see the opinions of a lot of people shift to think that Clemson is becoming uh, the second place team in the ACC, but as they say, that's why they play the game.